we'll continue here with this that we have been on a covenant of healing. And, uh, and we've said different things, started each of these sessions off with three things that we must always believe. And that first one is, of course, what God said about himself. What did God say about him? That's the knowledge of the truth. And the knowledge of the truth makes free. And so the reciprocal of that would be the absence of the truth results in bondage. If I don't have the knowledge of the truth, then I'm left to just be in bondage to whatever I'm in bondage to. Because it's the knowledge of the truth that makes free. So I have to know what God said about himself. What did God say about this uh, certain situation, this certain circumstance, whatever uh, healing, uh, victory? What did God say? What did he say about himself? And then secondly, what God said about his word. I always believe what God said about his word. What did he say about it? And thirdly, what God said about what he would do. And that's, that's in any area. And obviously primarily in these sessions concerning healing. But how did God say he viewed things? What did God say was important to him? Uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> we, we are in such a climate, and I, I kind of see it changing some, but we're in such a climate in, in church, we've had decades now of, uh, you know, these ideas that uh, God is sort of just like a, uh, a middleman. You know, it's, it's, yeah, I would like you to do this, but, you know, if you don't, it's okay, I understand. Uh, well, that's not what he said. See, what did God say about himself? And you take, for instance, the, the issue of just people living right. The Bible says the soul that sins is going to die. That's it, period, end of discussion. I mean, there's forgiveness, there's grace, there's mercy, but there, what did God say? You know, and uh, this is important because it plays into this covenant. A covenant mindset, of course, is a requirement for strong faith. And here in Exodus 3, we talked about some of this last week, but uh, we'll get into some other aspects of this. Exodus 3, verse 13, Moses said to God, when I come unto the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they say to me, what is his name? What will I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am that I am. And he said, you shall say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me to you. The latter part of verse 15, he said, this is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. The Amplified Bible says, God said to Moses, I am who I am, and what I am, and I will be what I will be. So God is saying, I am now who I am, and I am what I am, and I will be what I will be. And he said, that's my name forever. So what God said he is, he will always be. He doesn't change. He cannot change. Hallelujah. You know, despite what people are trying to do with different, you know, uh, pronouns and things nowadays, you can't change am, is, are, was, were. You can't change that. You are here. Right? You can say another, you try to use another word, but it, it, number one, it's not proper grammar, and number two, it doesn't properly describe where you're at. All right? So God said, what I am, I will always be. And he doesn't change. He cannot change. God said that was his name forever. So what he was, he is, and what he is, he will always be to anybody that will believe him, to anyone that will believe what he said. In Exodus 15 and 26, he said, of course, to the people of Israel, at the end of verse 26, he said, I am the Lord that heals you. And we've talked at length about I am being a blank check. 
but it's also, of course, his name forever. So he says, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that is your healer, your physician, your servant, surgeon. I'm that forever. All right, that is what I am forever. And then in Isaiah 53... which is a uh, familiar scripture where healing is concerned. But see, there's a key that the Lord gets to us when he says those three things that we talk about in the beginning. Always believe. Just because you know the scriptures in the Bible and you know it's about healing and you know God said it is no indication you believe it. That's just the reality of it. And so there's the believing part that goes with this. And he said in Isaiah 53, 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him or the chastisement needful to obtain peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. So he was bruised, he was tormented for our iniquities. That's what the word bruised means. It means tormented. He was tormented for our iniquities. Well, iniquities is that falling short, that missing the mark. It is sin, but it's sin of the most grievous sort. And it says that the Lord Jesus was tormented for my iniquities. All right? That, that's powerful. That's a whole other subject. But so the, the, the mind game that the enemy plays with people, that was paid for. They have the authority to overcome that because Jesus was tormented for their iniquities. Uh, the chastisement needful to obtain peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. The Amplified Bible says with the stripes... That wounded him, we are healed and made whole. And made whole. So we're healed and we're made whole. We're healed of the disease, and if anything was lost because of the disease, we're then made whole. So my job is to keep myself in line with what God said about himself. Because God never veers from what he said. He never veers from what he said. He won't change his mind. In uh, Psalm 89. It's an interesting verse. Because he says here in Psalm 89, verse 34, My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that's gone out of my lips. So I won't break my covenant. All right? So we have his word there that he won't break it. Then he said, I won't alter the thing that's gone out of my lips. Well, that word does mean change. It can mean change. But the bulk of that word, uh, alter, means to repeat, to duplicate, or to repeat oneself. So not only will God not change what he has said, there's no need for him to repeat it. See, God doesn't have a problem believing what he said. My part of the covenant is to believe what he said and obey it. So there's no need for him to repeat it or duplicate it. Hallelujah. God doesn't have to say it again and again and again and again. The, the, the life of God is in it when he said it the first time. My job is to believe it when he said it. 
if, if you, you look at certain passages of Scripture, uh, you look at the end of uh, the life of Jesus on earth, the earthly life of Jesus, and how often he told the disciples leading up to his crucifixion, how often he said to them, I'm going to be uh, betrayed into the hands of evil men. I'm going to be crucified. They're going to kill me. I'm going to be buried, and I'm going to raise again on the third day. If you, you, you do yourself a service if you went through the Scripture and read how many times it says that because he said it over and over again. As a matter of fact, from Matthew 16, it says, From that day Jesus began to say to them over and over again that this is what was going to happen. But yet, when you get to that place, and the women came and said, the Lord is alive, it says they didn't believe him. When Cleophas and the other disciple came back from the road to Emmaus and said, we've seen the Lord, it said they didn't believe him. Now, you believe Jesus is alive because you've read the scripture. But think about this. They're dealing with something that they've never dealt with before. Had they heard what Jesus said, they heard it. Did they believe it? No. They did not. Because the Bible says they didn't. It said that when they heard the story, that it seemed like a fable to them. Peter and John, the two closest men to him, did not even go to the tomb until Mary made them go. See, how you act is going to be evidence of what you believe. Your actions and your words are evidence of your expectation. Well, I believe this. My action is going to follow up what I said I believe. Hallelujah. And so God said in Psalm 89, I won't break my covenant, and I'm not in the habit of repeating what I said. That's important. Based on what the meaning of the word is. The, the bulk of it. And so, uh, hallelujah. My job is to believe it when he said it. Now, in Genesis 15, let's, let's investigate. Now, think about this. If you say you are something, when are you that? If you say you are something, when are you that? Right then, present tense, you are. Is that right? So if I say I am healed, I, I am next week, wouldn't that be I'm going to be? Right? Is that right? You know, I've, 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 I've counseled. It is right. If, you, if you're saying, I am going to be next week, that means you're not right now. Right? I, I've counseled people uh, in, in uh, marriage. And, you know, we set a date for the marriage. Well, you're not married because you set a date. You're not married till you're married, right? Hallelujah. I've had people say, well, we're almost married. And I say, that's exactly like not being married. <laughs> right? Hallelujah. So the reason I'm saying that is, see, a lot of people's mindsets are, well, if I can just get close, you are or you are not. Now, that, that's up to me. That's not up to your symptoms. That's not up to how you feel. It's not up to what you see. You are to you or you are not to you. Right? 
See, I've got to be careful with my words because we can kind of word of faith things up and, and you got to be careful with those kind of things because I've had people say, well, uh, you know, uh, I believe I'm healed, but my body's saying I'm not. Well, why are you listening to your body? I've got to keep going back to what the word says. Think about it. If you're on top of a skyscraper and the devil speaks to you and says, you ought to jump, you're going to jump? I hope not. Right? So, so we know, we know that there's only two sources that are contradicting what the word says. Number one, the devil. Number two, my flesh. Those are the only sources. Hallelujah. We deal with the enemy through our authority, and we deal with the flesh by our faith. And Genesis 15, notice verse 18. He said, the Lord said, in the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, unto your seed I've given this land from the great from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river of Euphrates. Now, I'm reading that to show you this is what God wanted to do. He said, I've given them this land. Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. And the Lord said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people that are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Now that word affliction is, is a, a physical bondage and mental bondage. And of course, Egypt is always a shadow of the world, a shadow of sin, a shadow of our life before, before God. <clears throat> and he said, I'm come down, notice, to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Now notice. And bring them out of that land unto a good land, a large, a land flowing with milk and honey, the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. Now notice, what was his intention? Bring them out of that land into a good land, right? A large land. Now wait a minute, follow, follow the verses. Does God alter what he said? No, does not. So do we see clearly in these two instances this was God's intention? Could we say it this way? It was God's plan. Right? Could we say it this way? He had lined this out, mapped this out. He had a plan. Is that right? Oh, glory. <coughs> this is what... God did what? This is what God said he wanted for his people. Say that out loud. Say, God said he wanted this for his people. Oh, hallelujah. Now, let's go to Exodus 14. Hmm. In verse 11. Now, remember, the first two verses are what God said, right? Verse 11, Exodus 14. And they said unto Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore have you dealt with us thusly to carry us forth out of Egypt? Isn't it interesting that the verse starts out with, and they said, and they said, God said something, but they said something. Right? Exodus 16 and uh, verse 2. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and we ate bread to the full. You have brought us into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Notice, they said, why, why, did, why did they go into the wilderness to get to the promised land? They said they went into the wilderness to die. Hallelujah. Notice uh, Numbers 21. 
Numbers 21. And uh, verse 5. And the people, the people spoke against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Mm. Notice in uh, Numbers 14. Verse 2. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron and the whole congregation and said unto them, Would God we had died in the land of Egypt? Or would God we had died in the wilderness? And what God said, I want to take you to a good land. Look what they said. You brought us out here to die. Right? Now notice Numbers 14, verse 27. How long will I bear with this evil congregation that murmurs against me? I've heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me. Notice this. Say unto them, As truly as I live, says the Lord, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Mm. Now wait, as you have spoken in my ears, that's what's going to happen. Now that seems elementary, but wait a minute. God said something. God said, I'm taking you to a good land. I'm going to give you a land that flows with milk and honey. I'm taking you there, right? But they said, you brought us out here to die. Mm. Verse 30, doubtless you shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein. The word there, swear, is I lifted up my hand. Who did he lift his hand up to? Abraham. Hundreds of years before this, 430 years before this, God swore to his covenant friend Abraham, I'm going to do this. Now, he did, ultimately, to another generation. But not this unbelieving, doubt-filled, generation. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm saying all this to get you to a place. Save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Now, what was different between Joshua and Caleb? Verse 7 of Numbers 14. And they, Joshua and Caleb, Spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to search, it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. See what they said? We can do this. Right? Now that's usually preached in kind of a rah-rah fashion. You know that that's who you want to be. If that's who you're going to be, you've got to believe what you say. You can't be this and not believe what you say. People say, why, why was there such a difference between Joshua and Caleb and the rest of the people of Israel? Look what the rest of the people of Israel were saying. We're going to die in the wilderness. God brought us out here to die. Joshua and Caleb are saying, God brought us out here to bring us into where he wanted us to be. Glory to God. Would it be good news to tell you that God's not going to leave you where you're at physically? That he's going to bring you out of that? That you're going to end up on the other side well and healed and whole? Hallelujah. 
See, God had nothing to do with the wilderness. I, I, I need you to see that. People will say, I thank God for my wilderness experience. That's, a, that's foolish talk. That's foolish. And I'll tell you why it's foolish. Because God did not intend a wilderness experience for the people of Israel. He intended to take them through the wilderness into the promised land. They were never supposed to be in the wilderness for 40 years. People that talk about their wilderness experience, I want to say, so you're rebellious, unbelieving, doubt-filled? Because that's what God said. He said that, that, that it was their rebellion and their failure to believe Him that kept them in the wilderness 40 years and ultimately killed that generation. Amen. The difference was Caleb and Joshua kept in their mind and in their spirit. God brought us out to bring us into something. Glory to God. You might be dealing with something right now, but it's with the understanding that God has a plan to bring you out. Before you ever got sick, God was your healer. Before you ever face the symptoms you're facing, God already had a healing plan in place and in motion. It's already there. And you may or may not have known it. If you knew it, you grabbed right a hold of it and began to believe it. If you didn't know it, now you got a hold of it and you're believing it. But ever what you're dealing with, God's not going to leave you there. God's going to bring you out of that. My job is to believe that He is what He said He is. Glory to God. Does that, does that help you at all? Now here's the thing. Who received what they said? Now here's the, here's the question. Who received what they said? God or the people? The people. With that generation, God did not receive what He said. And it wasn't because God changed what He said. It was they didn't believe what He said. And they wouldn't say what he said. If I believe what God said, I say what God said. Right? If, if I ask someone, any of you in this room, if I ask you, I said, uh, uh, you know, you came to me and you said, uh, I'm going to meet you over here at this place at 11 o'clock today or 1230 or whenever, 1230. And somebody came to me and they said, hey, are you going to meet so-and-so at 1230? Yes, I'm going to meet so-and-so at 1230. How do you know that? Because that's what they said. So what you said denotes where you're going to be. So if you show up at 1230, why'd you show up at 1230? Because you said you would show up at 1230. Well, but you know, Pastor, I, I understand what you're saying, but you know, actually we show up because we want to. But you said you would, so what you said directed your want to. <laughs> do, do, do you see this? So God said what he wanted. What they said overrode what God wanted. Now you'll hear people minister uh, in some circles and they'll leave you with the impression that if God says it, that's just how it is. It's going to happen. Mm, no, it's not. Because I, I've got to believe it. If God made something happen for you that you didn't believe, it would be a violation of what you wanted. Well, I want to be healed. There's a difference between wanting and believing. You can, when you say you want something... You're saying, I don't have it. I want to be healed. Well, that's just the same as saying I'm not. But when you say, I believe I'm healed, what are you saying? I have it. That makes sense? And I'm not talking about I believe like, you know, we've, we've changed that word. Right? If somebody says, you come to church tonight, well, I believe so. That means no. That means no. 
Well, you, you coming to the meeting next week? Well, I'm going to try. They're not coming. Not coming. Why? Because, it, it, right? If, if what it means today in our society, well, I believe so, is maybe. That's not the Bible word for believe. Did you believe in your heart that Jesus was Lord? Did you believe it? Were you saved? Because of what? You believed it. But you believed in your heart and did what? Confessed with your mouth. Is that right? That what? Jesus was Lord. Was he your Lord before you believed it and said it? No. Did he want to be? Yes. What did it require? Believing and saying. Right? Now here's the question. You're here for healing school. Does God want to heal you? What's it going to require? Believing and saying. Believing and saying. I believe I'm healed. I say I'm healed. I believe I'm healed. I say I'm healed. Glory to God. See, that sounds oversimplified, but do you know what you're doing? When you, when you say you believe something, well, I believe this. I believe I'm healed. Then you say and you talk about you healed. It's not just a positive mindset. If, if I believe it, you will always have a problem if you say you're saved, but yet you, you, you say you believe you're saved, but then you talk about yourself like you're not saved. Well, yeah, I, I'm, are you saved, brother? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm saved, praise the Lord. And, you know, after all, we're all just old sinners saved by grace. Well, see, you're talking about yourself like you're not saved. And what's gonna, what's gonna, what's, where's the struggle going to be? In your salvation. If I believe I'm healed, I talk about myself like I'm healed. Oh, glory. What did they constantly say? We're going to die. Is that right? Now, we sit here with the knowledge of revelation that we have and think, why would you ever say that? The same reason you said a lot of things you said before you got the knowledge that you have. I mean, we we don't want God to give us recall of how many times we said, oh, my back's killing me. Oh, I got a splitting headache. Have you ever thought about that? How that, right? Oh, my, that blew my mind. Now, I know you don't say that anymore. But think about it. And when somebody says it, you go, my Lord. Hallelujah. Such were some of us, right? But think about it. From the... What I read to you in Exodus was at the Red Sea, merely days after God delivered them. And already they're saying, we're going to die. They're not even out of Egypt yet, and we're going to die. They're at the border of the promised land in Numbers 13 and 14, saying, we're going to die. They're at the border of the land. Why are they saying that? Because they saw giants. They saw obstacles. My brother, sister, there are obstacles to your healing. There are things that you've got to overcome to get healed and stay healed. And you can't let what you see or what you feel or what the report is change what you say about what you believe. Amen. Because the moment you say, I believe I have received my healing, you have set yourself in agreement with the healer. Because the healer says you're healed. Think about this for a moment. If you went to the doctor tomorrow, and what you're and it's very, very good possibility. But if you went to the doctor tomorrow and the thing that you're dealing with They ran the battery of tests, and they came back, and he looked at you with all sincerity and said, there is no sign of that in your body. Chances are you'd come to church Sunday morning with the report, and we'd all shout. Now, think about this, though. Why are we shouting? 
because we see that what you believed was true. Is that right? But here's the thing. How do you know the doctor's right? How do do you know he didn't make a mistake? Here it is. Pastor, I trust my doctor. You should. Exodus 15, he said, I am the Lord, your physician. I'm the Lord that heals you. Exodus, he said, I'll take that sickness from your midst. Deuteronomy 7, he said, I'll keep it away from you. Is that right? So your physician has said, I healed you. I've taken it away and I'll keep it away. Don't let the obstacles confuse the facts. I am what God said I am. Yeah, but I saw the scan. Okay, I I understand, but are you what the scan said or are you what God said? If If I am what God said, right? Is there anybody in here that you uh, sinned after you were born again? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> that would be all of us, right? But, 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 but think about this. What is that? That's the scan. I failed. I sinned. I messed up. Well, what'd you do? You went back to what the one that saved you said. And he said, if I sin, if I'll confess it, he'll forgive it. And cleanse me of all unrighteousness. That's what the one who saved me said. God always initiates the contact. And God puts himself out on the limb, if you will, by saying, I'm the healer. I will heal you. I'll take it from you. And I'll keep it from you. So if a symptom flares up, I go back to what the one who healed me said. Not not at what may be going on currently. Because what Isaiah 53 say, he said, by his stripes you are healed and made whole. That's all in that package of salvation. See, you didn't open the package of salvation and find the healing compartment empty because after all, that was done away with when the last apostle died. No, it's all there. Right? So I go back to the one that gave me the package of salvation. You put in my package of salvation this promise to be my healer. Not just to provide healing, but to be personally my healer. You are personally involved in my healing. God was personally involved in your salvation. God sent his son. God sent him at the exact time. God put his hands to the work of saving you. God is your healer. God personally puts his hands to the work of healing your body. Glory to God. Do you see that? And right now, it's working. Because he won't break his covenant, and he won't alter what he said. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. I've preached myself happy. Amen. Ha, 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 ha. What God has said is what he wants. I have to want what God said. That's so important. Because think, think, think about this. <clears throat> Ten, twelve spies go into the land. Now, we can oversimplify this sometimes. Well, yeah, Joshua and Caleb had the spirit of faith in it. But, but think about this. Think about this. They saw the same thing that the other ten saw. Well, what did they see? They saw Amorites, Hittites, Hivites, Canaanites, Jebusites. They saw the sons of Anak, the giants. The land wasn't full of giants. They, they were just giants there. They saw walled cities. Right? Uh, they saw the, the, the fruit of the land. 
But yet it says they came back and the ten brought up an evil report. But they all saw the same thing. Right? It's like, it's like the old preacher said one time when David was facing Goliath. Hallelujah. Everybody else was running because Goliath was so big. And David's mindset was he's so big you can't miss him. Right? They saw something different. Faith does not deny that you're in a challenge. Did God say, he said, the Canaanites are going to be there. The Jebusites are going to be there. The Hivites are going to be there. The Canaanites are going to be there. He said, they're there. But he said, I'll be with you and I'll drive them out from before you. Is that what he said? There's no promise in the Bible that you'll never be diagnosed with something in your body. The promise is this, is that you have a healer that will heal you and take it away and keep it away. Don't run from a giant that God said he'd take care of. Hallelujah. All they had to do was exercise faith. What if all 12 of them would have come back and said, look, yeah, we, there's some challenges there, but we're well able to take it. We're well able to overcome them. Right? Well, even them old unbelieving Israelites would have had to have a little bit of faith then. I don't know what they would have done. But evidently from the bad report moving them the other direction, if they had gotten, if all of them had said the same thing, they would have gotten faith about it. <laughs> Amen. This is so important. Joshua and Caleb said, no, let's go now. We're well able to take the land. See, it's not just a faith statement the way that people say it. It's what they believed. Based on what? What God had said. Listen, we talked about salvation. If God says you're righteous, and he does, right? Then when do you believe you're righteous? When you feel righteous or all the time? You believe what God said. Caleb and Joshua just believed what God said. He said, we're well able to take the land. So that's what we're going to do. Amen. Hallelujah. The death in their words overcame the life in God's words. Notice here in Proverbs 18. Oh, hallelujah. And, and more often than not, that's what the enemy tries to get us to focus on is those things that he wants to set the atmosphere. And he wants to set an atmosphere of sickness and death. He wants to set an atmosphere of finality, an atmosphere of impossibility. That's his, that's his goal. I've told you this story before. I was asked to go up and minister to a, a, a lady that had been diagnosed with stage four uh, metastatic cancer all through her organs, uh, liver, kidneys, just it was not a good situation. And uh, I, I went, I'd only been pastoring about not even a year then, six months, this has been 20, 24 years ago. And uh, as I was going, the Lord said, I want you to uh, take... Obviously, uh, uh, your Bible, he said, but there's a certain book. He said, I want you to take and give it to this lady. And I, and I took it up there, and he said, and when you go in the room in ICU, he said, you shut the door, and you turn to her and tell her, I know you won't understand this, but the Lord sent me to tell you that you don't have to die. You can live. And I went in, and sure enough, she was there in the bed, and, you know, you've heard the expression, death warmed over. That's just what it looked like. And here's the thing, though. It was not just what I saw. It was what I sensed. I walked in that room, and death was all over that room. The whole atmosphere was dead. 
you could tell there were no words of life being spoken in that room. None whatsoever. And here's this lady who's dying. And not only is she dying, she's dying alone. That's sad. And, and, I, and I walked in, and I, I shut the door, and I introduced myself to her, and I said, now I know you're not going to understand this, but the Lord sent me to tell you that you don't have to die, but you can live. And, you know, she didn't know what I was talking about. I spent some time with her in the Word. I gave her the book the Lord told me to give her. I prayed for her. We prayed, curse that cancer in her body. Amen. And before I left, her eyes were brightened. She, she, she had seen something. Well, I went back a few days later, I think it was a week later or so, and oh my goodness, she was, she was sitting up in the chair, the room, there was a life in the room, and she, she said, I've been reading this, and I've been reading the Word and following the Scriptures, and she was seeing it, and man, I, I left that room. She said, I have such life, I have such vibrancy, and I left that room thinking, praise God. You know, God, you're so good to us. And uh, uh, a couple weeks later, uh, I went, I was back on my, my visits, I asked my dad if he wanted to go with me, and he went to the hospital with me, and uh, I, I went up to the room, and I walked in the room, and, and that, that presence was back, that death. And she was sitting in the rocking chair, and her mother was combing her hair, what was left of it. And... Uh, uh, I looked over on the nightstand, and, and there was the Bible and the book, and it hadn't been used, and, and you could tell. And uh, I looked at her, and it just came out of my mouth. I wasn't trying to be rude. I said, what happened? And her mother looked at me and said, can't you see she's dying? I left that room that day, and the Lord spoke to me. And he said, does her mother know she killed her? And, you know, I don't say that a lot, especially publicly, because I'm, I'm not, listen, I'm not here to, to critique anyone or judge anybody, but that's what the Lord said to me. The power of death in the words of her mother overcame the words of life that could have saved her. The enemy wants to set the atmosphere. That's why when you go to the doctor and there's a bad report, what comes? People say fear comes. Well, what, what, what is that the fear of? The fear of the disease. Uh-uh, the fear of dying. You're not afraid of cancer. You're afraid of dying by cancer. People aren't afraid of a disease. They're afraid that that disease will kill them. But the Bible says we've been made free from the fear of death. See, that frees up your faith. Does that make sense? So the enemy wants to set that atmosphere. And that's why then everybody that comes in, especially if they're not spiritual, and that person's been diagnosed with something terminal, something that could kill them, it's, it's a very reverent atmosphere. Well, I'm sorry to hear that you've been diagnosed with such and such. Anything you need, let us know. See, it's that, it's that, it's that atmosphere of, I'm going to die. Right? If I don't counter that atmosphere, Scripture says, I will not die, but I will live and declare the works of the Lord, right? Now, that's not just a confession list scripture. That's, that's what's going to be. I will not die, but I will live. That's how it is in the Hebrew. He's making a definite distinction. Oh, no, no, wait a minute. I will not die. I will live. You see, it's an answer. Oh, no, 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 no. I will not die, but I will live. See? Because what's the situation saying? You're going to die. You're not going to make it. This is going to happen. That, and it's set in the atmosphere. The Bible says in Numbers 14 that the atmosphere was so set 
that all the children of Israel wept audibly in their tents all night long. If you'd have been in that situation, you'd have heard millions of people wailing and crying all night because they believed the evil report. Amen. Do you see that? Proverbs 18, verse 20. Notice, a man's belly will be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. With the increase of his lips, he will be filled. The Amplified Bible says a man's moral self will be filled with the fruit of his mouth. Notice this. And with the consequences of his words, he must be satisfied, whether good or evil. The consequences of his words. Mm. And notice, it says he must be satisfied. Whether it's good or evil. So my life is filled with the fruit of my mouth. If that's what I see... That, that's what has been said. In the very next verse, 21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, usually when people quote that, they say, Yep, the power of life and death is in the, in the tongue. That's not what it says. It says death and life, both of them, not either or, both of them are in the power of the tongue. They that love it will eat the fruit thereof. That word power, it means hand. Uh, The open one, it indicates direction. So the direction of death and life are in the control of my tongue. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, that's why the psalmist could say, ah, I will not die. I will live. He's directing something. Amen. Do you see that? Glory to God. So I'm directing the thing. God has said so that we may say. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my help. I will not fear what they shall do to me. Now now think about that. The Lord has said so that we may say. The Lord has said he's my healer. So I may say I'm the healed. The Lord has said he will take it away from me so that I may say he has taken it away. You don't wait to say he's taken it away after you see it taken away. If I'm healed now, now think about this. If I'm healed now, I must by necessity believe it's gone now. I'm not healed when I feel healed. I'm healed when he said I was healed. I don't say it's gone when I see it gone. I say it gone because he said he took it. That's faith. That's not denial. That's faith. Amen. I've I've known people that would go to the doctor. And, and for, I, I have a, a perfect example. When uh, my pastor, when Pastor Miss Jeannie were in that automobile accident, broke her back in three places. And the doctor said, we've got to do surgery and uh, put two rods in your back. And uh, Miss Jeannie had been praying about it. She said, no, no, I'm not going to have surgery. There's nothing wrong with my back now, and you're not going to make anything wrong with it. 
And the doctor said, you don't understand. She said, no, I understand. I'm not having surgery. And the doctor went to pastor and said, you know, evidently she's in shock. Right? I've, I've known that to happen. The doctor will be trying to explain. And we're not talking about people that operate in foolishness and presumption and, and won't, won't be honest. If the doctor puts a scan up on the wall, on the, 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 the light or on the computer and shows you something and says there's a mass in your body, in your lung, it does you no good to say, I don't believe that. That's not faith. It's there. Were there giants? Were there walled cities? Were there problems? But did God say, I've given you the land? Did God say, I'll drive them out from before you? He said, not only that, he said, I will send my angel before you, and he will drive them out. It's there, it exists, I see it, but the Lord is my healer, so he's healed me of that, he's taken it away, and oh, by the way, I will not die, but I will live. Amen. But I've known Christians, faith people, that would look at that and go, I don't receive that. Well, receive it or not, it's there. Receive it or no, it's there. I don't receive your report. I'm, my report is I'm healed. Do you see this? This is what I believe. I believe I'm healed. I see that. And I have knowledge that it's there. But I believe I'm healed. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. You know, and even if you have to take treatment. I had a guy one time that was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, 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 he came to me and told me what had happened. And we got in, uh, in agreement about it. And he said, uh, you know, I got to take these chemo treatments, and they're telling me, you know, all oh, my hair's going to fall out. I'm going to be sick. I'm not going to have an appetite. And he said, Pastor, I don't have time for that. I said, okay. I said, well, let's just agree. It'll do its job, but it won't affect you that way. He said, okay. He never did have any effects of that. Every day after his chemo treatment, he went to uh, uh, Taco Bell and ate two big Taco Bell meals. I don't recommend Taco Bell. That might kill you. But nonetheless, <laughs> but the point that I'm making is after every treatment, he was so well and it was so affecting him, not affecting him, that he was hungry. So does that, see, just because you're saying you're healed doesn't mean you may not have to go through a treatment. But if you're going through a treatment, does that change what God said? Amen. If the end result is you're healed, God did it. Oh, glory. Look, 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 look at this. Deuteronomy 30. Am I helping you? Oh, my. I got to hurry. That's, that's why we just keep going with this series. You can't get it all in. You're just a fool if you try. Deuteronomy 30, verse 11. I'm going to hurry. For, let's, for the sake of time, let's go to verse 14. He's talking about the commandment. And he said, the, the, the word, meaning the commandment, is very nigh unto you. Notice, he said, it's in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. So notice, for me to do the word, it has to be two places. In my mouth and in my heart. Can't just be in my heart. It's got to be in my mouth. Can't just be in my mouth. It's got to be in my heart. You can say things that are not in your heart. And if you're saying things that are not in your heart, you won't move anything. Because even Jesus said in Mark 11, he said, you got to believe in your heart that those things that you say will come to pass. Hallelujah. So the commandment was to be in their mouth and in their heart. They were to say what God said. That was evidence of what they believed or what they saw as truth. You say what God said. Verse 19 of the same verse. 
He said, the Amplified Bible says, I call heaven and earth to witness this day against you that I have set before you life and death, the blessings and the curses. Therefore, choose life that you and your descendants may live. You have to choose it. I have to choose life. So God gave them the choice. God told them what to choose. They had to make the choice. I am the Lord that heals you. I have taken it away from you. I will keep it away from you. With my stripes you were healed and made whole. I have to make the choice. Oh, hallelujah. I'll just reference this. We can maybe get into it next time. But when Jesus said in Mark 11, starting uh, there in verse 22, he said, have the faith of God or have the God kind of faith. The Weiss Bible says, be constantly having faith in God or constantly having the God kind of faith. And he went on and he talked about speaking to the mountain. And he said, for truly I say to you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea and shall not doubt in his heart. But shall believe that in the 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 uh, inference there is shall believe in his heart that what he says will come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. Now think about that. It didn't say you'd have what God said. You have what you say. That's important. Because people say, well, God said it, it's going to happen, not unless you're saying it. Because I'll have what I say. That's important. See, we've got the illustrations in the Word. I'm going to take you to a land that flows with milk and honey. I'm going to take you to a good land. And he did. He brought them right up to the border. And they said, we can't do it. Now, thankfully, there was a generation 20 years old and under that didn't say that. So how do I know if I'm constantly having faith in God by what I say? And that's important. If I'm saying I'm healed, it's not just a confession. It's not just something that uh, a lot of people use their confession sort of a, as a fulcrum for God. That if I just say it enough, God will have to do it. You're saying it because God said it's already done. Confess means to say the same thing. So when you say, I'm healed, you're not trying to convince God to do something. You're saying the same thing. You're saying what he said. Oh, hallelujah. Every blood disease is healed. Oh, glory. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for us being carriers of your glory. Thank you that the glory doors are open. And you said to us, Lord, on the last two Monday nights, you said to us, in that glory flow is that flow of healing. In that glory flow is that flow of life. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, oh, glory be to God. In the name of Jesus, oh, Father, we speak life over every person here, every individual here, in the name of Jesus. We speak healing and health over their bodies in the name of Jesus. And we prepare ourselves ah, for the healing anointing to flow in this room in the name of Jesus as we minister under a tangible healing anointing.
in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If uh, you desire hands to be laid on you for healing in any area this morning, if you just make your way to the front, we'll lay hands on you this morning. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. That uh, anointing is so tangible. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. As we lay hands on these, Lord, with a tangible healing anointing, Father, we thank you that it will minister to them. It will minister to that part of their body, Lord, that is uh, catching up to what you said about it. Oh, Father, we thank you. Oh, Father, we thank you. Minister, 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 minister. Yeah. Minister, minister, minister healing. Ah, minister. Oh, my Lord, there it went. Healing, uh, healing. In the name of Jesus. Minister. Oh, healing. In the name of Jesus. Mita leke tepo kule teke. Ah, minister, 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 minister. Ah, healing. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. Sipa kokala seke. Eke shepo koko seke. Thank you. Ah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The tail end of that thing. I see it. Thank you. In the name of Jesus. Oh, I believe God. Amen. Hallelujah. I believe God. Thank you, Father. Well, glory to God. Jesus always comes to healing school. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. If you're watching online, just receive your healing in the name of Jesus. The Lord's ministering to you today. We thank the Lord for that. Don't forget, of course, tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, we'll be in service here on Wednesday evening. Until we see you again, build your faith and keep the switch of faith turned on. God bless you.